Welcome to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the Emergency Services Foundation. This is a podcast dedicated to supporting and improving the mental health and wellbeing of the many people, paid and volunteer, who serve our community in emergency management roles. My name's Susan McKenzie, CEO at the Emergency Services Foundation. And I'm Sarah Hewitt, ESF's Learning Network Program Manager. Today we're speaking with Senior Sergeant Debbie Day. Debbie has been with Victoria Police for 33 years, but she's soon to hand in her badge. Her journey is one that aligns very well with ESF's Better Together motto. Let's find out why. Thanks so much for joining us, Debbie. It's a pleasure. Um, Thank you very much, Susan and Sarah, for the opportunity. Wow, 33 years. Please tell us, how did it all start? Well, it certainly doesn't seem like 33 years, but I I ended up, I completed my year 12 and I was a private schoolgirl in Melbourne. I accepted into university, which was the expectation of most of us at school, not only by the school, but our parents. So I was accepted into pharmacy. So I, I had study fatigue after my year 12 and decided to take a year off. And during that year, I took a part-time job as a barmaid at a hotel in South Melbourne, which happened to be the local hotel for the South Melbourne Police. So I I had this amazing opportunity of pouring lots of beers and serving lots of counter meals to the local police. And when I'd finished my shift, I would go and sit with them. Most of them were, were men. In fact, there was only one female in the group. And just listening to their stories day after day, lots of laughter, a real feel of camaraderie between the the group. Um, I I actually thought pharmacy can wait. I'm not ready to be a chemist yet. This is what I want to do. I want to be in a group that enjoys being with each other. The stories were just so exciting. And I thought this is what I wanted to do. So I started training and I mean physical training because I wasn't particularly fit and the requirement back then was you had to run, females had to run five laps of an oval in 12 minutes. So I, I remember running around the local football oval every single day trying to get to that mark um, and applied to join the police force, much to the horror of my family. We have no police in our family at all. So it was a very foreign concept. Um, and in 19th of December, 1988, I joined the Victorian Police Academy. Wow. Wow. So what about life that happened along the way? So you joined the police and then what? Yeah, so along the way, so my first station, once I graduated from the academy, was at the Nunawading Police Station. And I have very fond memories of of being immediately embraced by the, the, the constables, senior constables and the sergeants. And at that time, there was a female detective there who I never actually met because she wasn't at work, but I, I took a keen interest in her because her name was the same as mine. And she was causing a bit of a storm because she wanted to be a part-time detective and there was no such thing in Victoria Police at the time. And that was probably my first look at, oh, this is not all um, a happy, fun workplace at the moment. There's a bit of conflict here with this particular female who was challenging the, the, the norm. But that aside, the fabulous team of people that I worked with, not only at that my very first station there, but we were all very like-minded people. We worked hard while we were at work. We socialised a lot out of work um, and made some great friendships at all the stations. So I went to Malvern, I then went out to Narry Warren, 
back into the city to Russell Street. But everywhere I went, the friendships that I made, and I still keep in touch with many of these people, and I'm going back a long, long time. But when we were off duty, we did things like we, we went on camping trips together. We had trivia nights, big Christmas parties, um, trips to the snow, and people bought their partners with them. So it wasn't just a group of police. It was we, the spouses of the wives, the husbands, girlfriends, boyfriends also came along. So my early life as a police officer, I just have these fabulous memories of friendships, fun at work, doing wonderful work for the community, um, but also out of hours, this, this really vibrant life with people that I connected with at every place that I worked. And, and is that how you, I believe your husband's in the Victoria Police as well? Is that how you met him? Yeah, so um, we did meet um, at the Malvern Police Station back in the early 90s and, again, working together, not all the time, but a lot of shifts together, but then also, you know, day, days off and holidays, we would, um, we would go on camping trips together, people from the station. So that's where I did meet my husband who over these, you know, the, the 33 years that I've been in the police force, so we've been married for 22 now and he is my greatest support. Um, he's always there um, as either a shoulder to lean on or an ear to listen. And likewise with me, we we do talk about work when we're at home. You, you meet a lot of police along the way that, oh, we never talk about work at home. Well, my husband and I do talk about work at home because we can bounce off each other we can debrief about what's happened during the day if it's been a particularly challenging day. And I just find that that over my journey, I wouldn't be where I am today without the relationship with him. That's really interesting to hear, you know, the, the, the upsides or that you talk to your, your partner about work. And it's also interesting to hear that some police opt to not talk about work at home. Why do you think that is? Obviously, there's a, there's a downside too to having a partner in the police I think, Sarah, the the realisation that you do need to switch off, you do need to disengage being an emergency service worker, it's really, really important. And, you know, as a manager myself, I'm, I'm very mindful of my members that take their computers home, that are working on their rest days on police work. And it, we, we recognise and we know and the evidence and research is there that it's so important to switch off and do things that are completely away from your role as a police officer um, due, you know, when you are away from work and to disengage. And so police in particular, um, it becomes a bit of a, it's a standing comment, oh, we don't talk about work when we're off duty. Well, we, my husband and I certainly don't talk about it all, all day, every day, but I also find that, and it has been for me, that you need someone who understands what you're going through and and for us that that's us supporting each other i can i can well imagine that would be a great support i hear you've got children is that is that true because i'm interested in the relationship between working in police and being a mum you know yes so i have three children 21 19 and a 14 year old um, two of them are now living interstate so one just living at home but Balancing my life over all these years as, as a police officer and a mother, for me, it was all about making the right choice at the right time. So my children always came first. And I took, you know, when, when each of them was born, I took the full 12 months maternity leave that we were entitled to. 
and that did come at a cost. I mean, my wage dropped significantly, so I had to adjust, you know, my lifestyle during that 12 months. But that was the choice that I made with my husband that that we wanted to be the family that the, I was there as much as I could in that, that first 12 months. I then chose to, to convert to a part-time role. And so for 13 years, I was a part-time police officer and only working two days a week. I had family and friends that, that looked after the children and they were at daycare for one of those days. So I felt that they got a really good mix um, with having me there five days a week and other people looking after them two days a week. But it enabled me to become really involved in those early years with the play groups and the swimming lessons and being there as a classroom helper when they were at primary school. I was always on the committees. I was one of those mums that was always on the committees, kinder committees, parents committees at school. My husband and I both were always on the school camps and the excursions as those extra helpers. And I was able to do that because I was only working part-time. So I chose to be that part-time police officer so I could be there for my for my children. But the two days when I was working for Victoria Police, I really enjoyed walking into my station and being surrounded by adults and having a meaningful role. So for me, um, it was it was a very important balance for myself as well. And if I had my time again, I would do it exactly the same. Yeah, that's that's really um, really heartening to hear that you're able to, you know, keep working and, and make it work with flexible work policies and maternity leave and so on. Did you find that the actual, the job was in any way, you know, like going to work as a policeman and then coming home as a mum, was there any sort of dissonance or difficulty with switching roles like that? When I go back to talking about the choices that I've made during my career, once I had, um, once I became a mother, I made the choice to um, go into a different area of work, so not frontline policing on the on the duty van anymore. I chose to go into um, sort of the community policing role, so proactive policing, so working with young people and also the seniors groups and community groups. So those roles at the time were predominantly Monday to Friday because a lot of your partners and your external stakeholders were council groups um, that don't work on the weekends. So choosing to go into that side of policing enabled me to have very stable and structured hours. So I, I was never going to be tied up with, with overtime um, and being you know called out late in the night and that sort of thing. So it, mm. was, it was very stable and structured. And, and it sounds good. Mm. And it worked well because I could then come home and switch off completely. There was nothing hanging over from the shift that hadn't been finished. And I could then 110% pour myself into being a mum. Yeah, I, I just have one more question about that. Um, so I'm hearing that working in the community policy was really good in terms of those, those work hours and it really helped you achieve that, that balance and not, you know, get too drawn in on jobs that would, yeah, up, you know, make it difficult for you to have and be present for your family. And I also imagine that community policing, you would have really benefited in your role there by being a mum because you would have really understood those parent-child, you know, those issues that are so important. So you would have brought that all that experience in. I'm just wondering how it worked the other way in the sense that how is, how is uh, your work as a police person influence or positively impact back in the home? So you know, the relationship between your work and the influence it had on your children. 
So definitely um, the three of them were all always very excited and proud that both mum and dad were police officers. Um, mm. Although my husband never actually wore a uniform, he was always in a suit and tie. So they struggled in the early years to actually understand that he was a police officer, being a detective. But my main, and I would say proud, was probably the, the word that springs to mind when I think about my children understanding what I did and often I would be at the schools that they were at doing presentations um, in the early years it was all about the role of the police teaching them about you know things like shoplifting and bike helmets when they became mandatory so I was quite often at the children's school in my uniform with the police car so they were always pretty excited about that and then as they moved into secondary school again the schools would quite often ask me to come and do presentations on, you know, around forensic things, so fingerprinting, DNA, um, a lot of stuff around traffic for the year 10. So when they're all getting their, their learner's permits, I would come and do some road policing lessons with them. So the kids were always really proud to, to have me in their lives, in my uniform um, and part of their education as well. But I was also both my husband and I, we would always talk about the values of the Victorian police values um, with our kids, particularly about honesty and respect. Mm. Now, like many people in emergency management, I understand you suffered a mental injury in 2010. Are you able to tell us what happened and what led to that, please, Deb? Yes, Susan. So it, it really stems on from the conversation they've just had that my proactive role was the perfect role for me to balance being a police officer and a, and a mother. Um, and back in 2010, a new manager um, arrived at, at the unit. And it, it is interesting to me that it was a female manager because my challenge, um, along my challenge along the, the journey of this was that I probably hoped for a little more from her as, as a female being, being my manager to try and understand the, the difficulty with what her new management style was causing me. So basically it was to be no more Monday to Friday day shift only. It was you'll, you'll work when we need you to work, you'll do afternoon shifts, you'll do weekend shifts. And I just remember pleading with her that I just couldn't, while my children were still young, I just couldn't be that shift worker, particularly with my husband being, he was at the homicide squad at the time. So his role, his phone would ring at any time of the day or night and he would be gone for, you know, days, potentially weeks at a time. So I was the one that needed the stable hours. So it was it was a matter of, well, then you can't work here anymore if you can't be a flexible worker um, with, with hours all over the place, which I definitely couldn't. It actually destroyed me because I loved my role. I loved the balance that I had with my work responsibilities and being a mum. Um, and I had a, a long time off work. It was close to two years off work. Psychologists, the, the police medical officer, medication, anxiety. It, it, it really destroyed me as a person wow. and a police officer. And the, the stigma at the time around that, you know, people saw that I had a wonderful, perfect life. And I felt that I did. But when management decision one management decision changed my world that was it was two years that I was left at home in a really really bad state. We are running a program at ESF called Leading for Better Mental Health and you know that's what the focus is it's so important for these team leaders and line managers 
to understand their people really well and um, be authentic with them and, and accommodate things like this. It's, it's just tragic. So you said you're off work for two years. What helped you come back from that experience? So, you know, as we've already spoken about, my husband was my rock during those years, um, supporting, understanding, just being there to listen. When I needed to cry, I could cry. I could, I could really download and unload a lot of my emotions, and he understood. I lost touch with most of my police friends. It was probably more about the shame that I felt that I, because I wasn't at work, that I didn't feel that I could stay connected with people who were still at work. People didn't seem to understand, particularly my friends who were not police officers, they, they just didn't understand how this could happen to somebody. It was the first time that I'd ever reached out to the police association and the wellbeing managers and the industrial relation managers, the support that those people gave me was invaluable. And it was the first time in my career that I'd realised that that fortnightly payment that we all make had actually was the beginning of the start of a new career and a new back on the, back on the you know the, the working environment. Um, they listened, they cared, and they supported me, and it was really that's how they got me through. It got me through. So, what advice would you give to you know? Let's hope there's managers aren't like this anymore. But you know, we all know there there are people like that right across the sector. What advice would you give to anyone in a similar situation? Well, Susan, we've definitely come a long way. I mean, this is, I'm talking about 2010. And when I did come back to work, it was actually the beginning of the inspiration for me to become a senior manager in Victoria Police to make sure that people weren't treated like this. It was my number one driving factor for me to try and be promoted so that I can assist, could assist and help people that had been in my position but my advice really is to talk to your colleagues and to find that person, and it generally will be a manager that's got some influence at the table who will support you. And for me, um, when I did return to work, I couldn't return to the same workplace. In fact, I had to go distance-wise. I had to go a long way from that station because I wanted to start work at a station where nobody knew about my background and that I hadn't been at work. So I moved over to, to the Doncaster Police Station and the manager there at the time, he sat me down on my first day after coming back after two years and just listened to my side of the story. And he genuinely cared. I'll never forget the first words he said to me, tell me about Deb Day. What is Deb Day feeling at the moment? And, you know, he, his support. So my advice to members is, there's going to be people that have been through what you've been through. You just need to find who they are and find that manager who is going to support you and understand and genuinely ensure that you can get back to the person that you were before your event started. And would you say that that's the best thing a supervisor ever did for you? Oh, definitely, without doubt. And I've, I've stayed in contact with this particular um, inspector and you know, if it hadn't been for him, I, I doubt very much whether I would have returned to Victoria Police. That would have been the end of my career. That That is very, that's a very powerful story, Deb. And it's just spot on when I think about the program we're doing, the Leading for Better Mental Health pilot, because, yeah, that that's at the crux of what we're trying to achieve, where managers will learn to just see and, and hold and understand 
their workers like that. I, I really like the line too. I think, Tell me about um, Dev Day. Yeah, I've never forgotten it. And it's it's so long ago, but I've never forgotten that line. And, you know, since then, the number of times that I've sat down with people that I, I manage and told them my story and told yeah. them what strategies I used and how I got, you know, back to a, a really good space and how I've since been promoted, um, it certainly wasn't the end of my career. Yeah. Having yeah. been there um, lived it myself definitely makes me um, a better manager. Yeah, I'm sure. I wish you were my manager or if I was a police person, Susan. <laughs> hey, um, I have one more question for you, and that is if you can imagine a, uh, like just a, I'm just imagining a policewoman who's heavily pregnant and about to go off, you know, and have a family, begin a family, what would you, what advice would you give to that to that woman and her partner? So, and I have just recently been at a station where we've had a lady in that exact position and I sat down with her and told her how I had managed with my three children what I'd done, how I'd taken the 12 months off and what I'd done during those 12 months um, and then had come back part-time. And she, I, I can, this is only late last year. I can still see this young girl sitting there heavily pregnant, listening and absorbing every word that I mm-hmm. said about she she had not considered coming back part-time. It just wasn't part of her um, plan. Um, and I spoke to her about, you know, once you understand that you can you, you can still have a great career after you've been part-time watching your children grow up, she, she went away thinking, that's an amazing story. I'd never thought of taking my full 12 months off and then potentially becoming a part-time officer while I can be mm. there for my children. So I definitely inspired her to just think about other options that are available to her. So it's definitely about structuring work. So yeah, you can be present and not shortchange. So that's the, the exactly kids. right. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other question about that, I, I sort of picked up on you saying that you know something that I, something that you were doing in the first year. So those twelve months you took off. Did you do anything in particular that was about planning or you know for your for the career that you were coming back to? Not not particularly not really for career. Um, Back then, there, there was no structure in place about staying connected to the workplace, whereas there is now. Um, and females now get five days during that time that they're off to come back into the workplace just to keep in touch with what's going on and to keep up to date with um, changes in policing. I, I literally disengaged for the 12 months and just focused mm-hmm. on my children, focused on setting up relationships with um, other mums that had newborn babies, building friendships, which actually then became my support group once I did come back to work for the kids. So, Deb, it must have been an enormous decision to move on now and, and hand in your badge. What influenced that decision? Because I know you're not retiring because of age. No, that's right. And retiring doesn't actually feel comfortable with because I'm literally starting two days later into my new role. So uh, I've taken a position as a field officer with the Police Association and a couple of key light bulb moments in my career in the last year have made me question my position in, in Victoria Police. Can I best influence people at this rank um, the way that I want to support members? Um, and I've, I've, I've been challenged myself in it. Particularly, I went on the first border deployment up to the New South Wales border um, over Christmas when, when we shut the border. And I had a very difficult time up there being directed by 
managers above me to to do things that I weren't I wasn't comfortable doing, and it all focused around member safety. And I would, I just wasn't prepared to do the instructions that I was being given. So I stood my ground, and it became quite an unpleasant experience for me. I I came home after that, questioning how can I have better influence on on junior members in this organisation. And then the role, the field officer role at, at the police association was advertised. And when I read the position description that we're looking for a hardworking, dynamic person to support and advise members, it, it was a light bulb moment. I thought back to all those years ago in 2010 when the association had supported me. And I thought, I think this is a I think this has been written for me, this job description, to be able to then just solely focus on supporting police, whether it be a crisis that they're involved in or welfare support or just improving the conditions that we work in. Um, and so I, I made the decision again with, with my husband to, to have a look at a, a different career, closely aligned with policing, but handing the badge back. How fantastic. Yeah, it's nothing better than if you read a job description that feels like it's meant for you. It just shows, that, you know, throughout your your career that you've built so many skills and come to understand your values more and you're able to move in a direction so that even though you're retiring it's not retirement in the traditional sense and that's something that we're looking at too at ASF we're uh, developing a program now to support police and emergency service agencies better support their staff and volunteers as they transition out to retirement and definitely looking at other options like that, um, jobs that are really aligning with where they're at, what they want to be doing as part of as part of that model. Yeah, so Sarah, I was certainly never ready to leave policing and it was never something that I was actively looking for. And I've certainly never looked at the police association as, a, as an option, but now that I've done it and the number of people, police that I speak to that say, wow, what an amazing thing to do. I've never thought of, of doing something like that. But it, I see it that it allows me now to solely deal with the members, the 17,500 members, and to support them and be energetic about supporting them. And I'll still be going into police stations. That, that actually is the main part of my role is to visit workplaces I just won't be wearing a dark blue shirt with a senior sergeant name tag on it. <laughs> so what do you think you'll miss most about being a police officer? I think it probably will be that dark blue shirt. I, I, I love wearing my uniform. I'm very proud to wear my uniform. And, you know, I think although it doesn't define who I am, it's a, it is, my wardrobe is full of those dark blue shirts and, you know, yesterday being Police Remembrance Day, the number of messages that I received from friends and family that are not police officers thanking me and, and my husband for our service, I'm thinking, I wonder if they'll send those messages next year to me. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited about becoming a police veteran and staying involved with retired police officers. But for me, it's definitely the uniform. Um, not having to iron that dark blue shirt every day and putting it on will be, be different. And you, you, said, you said that it's not your whole identity, but when we speak to people in emergency services, they do talk about a real loss of identity and that handing in the badge is such a critical moment for them. How do you think you'll feel when you're actually handing your badge? Well, I think the physical handing back of the badge will be a fairly traumatic day. 
I'm actually organised for the Chief Commissioner that swore me in back in 1989 to come back to the Academy and have a photo taken with him. And that's when I'll hand my badge over um, because I do want to make it a special day because I think that's it is going to be emotional. But I, I guess I'm not completely stepping away. I'm still going to, have to be wearing something that says Police Association as, as part of my uniform. That's fantastic, Deb. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you. There's so many important messages in there in, in what you said. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And thank you for listening to this Emergency Services Foundation Better Together podcast which aims to provide you with insights about mental health and well-being from experts, thought leaders and people on the ground just like Deb. If you want to know more about what we do or better still support our work, please go to esf.com.au.